Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Our guest today has suffered from various health issues, including heart disease, spinal stenosis, and a degenerative spine. He was taking up to 36 pharmaceuticals for his problems. Here to tell his story about the use of cannabis and its life-changing impacts is Michael Jensen from British Columbia. Michael, thanks for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. Not a problem. Take us back to your first involvement with cannabis. When was that? Oh, high school, I think around 12 years old. Some buddies were out in the field smoking a joint and said, come on, Mike, try this. (laughs) And you did, and uh, you liked it. Uh, Yeah, I don't think it really even affected me the first time. I was curious as to what the heck they thought this stuff was so great for because really the first time i tried it it didn't do a darn thing to me and over the years but over the years continued to use it and ran into other issues a family member got cancer and i had to source medicine for him to try and relieve the pain of nausea and chemotherapy at a 15 inch diameter tumor in his stomach and uh you know, I helped them at end of life, and that's where I started helping people with cannabis. My own use for medical reasons didn't come up till far later, about 20 years later. Take us through that 20 years later. I'd gone through a divorce, and I'd been diagnosed with a degenerative spinal disease, among other things, and I was told that cannabis would help relieve the pain, relieve the pressure on my spine, make it a little easier to function which it does depending on the strains some strains are far more effective but it's been very effective well from now 30 years i've been using it both for my back and ptsd and it it helps keep things level tell me about the ptsd Uh, michael in 1984 my little brother committed suicide and I found him. That kind of sent my whole life into a whirlwind. Uh, I didn't really know what to do. I saw doctors, uh, got counseling for post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, but I wasn't sleeping. I was really unhealthy. Depression had set in severely. Uh, So I was looking for ways to try and numb the pain. I pretty much tried everything and through that found that most things made it worse. Cannabis actually helps. Helps relieve the depression, helps relieve the anxiety that comes from that incident that I went through. And has successfully kept me alive, I'd say, to this point. Does the PTSD still have any impact on you emotionally or psychologically? I I think so. He was my only brother. It's uh, something that I don't think will ever go away 
personally, I think I'm going to have to live with it forever. I don't really think it's curable. If so, I don't know how to cure it. And to date, I haven't found anybody that can give me a magic wand to get rid of it. The cannabis helps. It keeps it leveled. And uh, I think that's going to be my solution probably for the rest of my living days. Now, take us through some of the health issues you experience. Heart disease, spinal stenosis. I had no idea what spinal stenosis was, so I had to look it up. It's a narrowing of the open spaces within your spine, which can put pressure on your spinal yeah. cord. Yeah, and the nerves that travel yeah. through the spine. Yeah. So you had that? To- yeah. So as my spinal cord degenerates, it's actually shrinking and closing the canal through it, stopping the fluids from running. Um, causes pain is is sometimes I can't do certain things. It pinches different nerves that affect me in different ways all the time. And as it evolves, it changes. So it's not really a constant. It, it's a constant pain, but it's constantly changing. So I'm never really sure if I'm going to wake up with it affecting my lower back, my neck. I've already got titanium in my neck because of it. Um and I just never know where it's going to hit. It's quite nasty. Yeah, it doesn't sound like fun at all, Michael. No, my usual routine, I get up in the morning, I'll have a cannabis tea, smoke a big fat joint, take my painkillers, and then wait an hour or two till I can function. And then I get to work. <laughs> now, do you then, That's my routine. Do you um, do cannabis throughout the day then as well? Yes. Yes, I'm just in the process of making oil. I'm going to be dosing myself with oil three times a day, uh, possibly more. We'll see how it goes. I'm experimenting with new strains all the time and trying to find that one that is perfect for me, which, uh, well, it's been a long journey so far, and I haven't found that exact one. A few times I thought I had, and then I'd use it for a month or so, and it would deteriorate in how well it was doing and i'd swap them over again but yeah i i do use throughout the day i stay medicated are you doing sativas in the daytime then i kind of mix them up a bit depending on how my moods are with the ptsd sometimes the sativas can make me uh, just more bummed out and something depending on the strain it will work the other way and it'll put me up so I kind of, it, it's a hit and miss for each day, depending on my moods and what's happening with my body. Uh, I was going to ask you about that anyway. Um, so for people who have PTSD and are listening to you, is there one that you would suggest over another? Would you lean more towards using Indicas? or? I, I think a, a cross breed, you know, a, a hybrid with a little sativa and Indica, Crossbred is probably what I prefer the best. Depending on my pain, I'll go to a strong indica, which doesn't help psychologically, but it'll kill the pain and make it numb. But most of the time, I'm using crossbreds. White Widow crossed with Blue Hawaiian, I think, was one of the latest ones. I, I have to look them up. I have a notebook where I've kept all the notes. But a lot of the time, crossbreeds is what does the best for me. Interesting. So in what form would you take that during the day? Both oil and smoking. Mm. Okay, thanks. 
Michael, when you were taking pharmaceuticals, at what point were you taking 36 pharmaceuticals, and what was life like for you then? I was locked in my apartment by myself. I'd gone through a divorce and uh, basically just been diagnosed, and it was living hell. The pills turned me into an emotional mess. I couldn't function. Uh, My back had gotten so bad I was unable to really walk at the time, so I was using a wheelchair. And it was just a nightmare. And then I met my lovely partner, who I'm still with, and she's helped me get off of all those prescriptions and get more onto the cannabis license. Were you on 36 pharmaceutical pills a day? Yes. It would have been more than 36 a day the way they dosed. It worked out to 36 prescriptions, and a couple of them I took twice a day. So it would actually be more than 36 pills, but... 36 prescriptions, some of which I had to take twice and three times a day. Right now, I'm down to five. They're all for my heart, and I have to take them twice a day. And I use the cannabis throughout the day and night all the time. When you were on these 35 different prescriptions, what were they, Michael? Just kind of like a blend of opiates and uh, antidepressants? Uh, Opiates, antidepressants, muscle relaxants, sleeping pills, uh, stuff to stop gout, which I had developed. That's another nasty one. Um, Just a a plethora of different stuff, everything from antidepressants to opiates for pain. And probably some pills to counteract the effects of the other pills. Oh, yeah, which is what made my heart worse. Oh, gosh. I remember you had a heart attack a couple of years ago. Yeah, I did have one right before we moved out to the place we're in now, and I'd had one two years prior to that. So now I've had two heart attacks, and I've got four stents in my heart. It's unbelievable to think that you could take 36 36 prescriptions a day, uh, more pills than 36, and still function. It defies logic. Oh, I... I, I wouldn't personally say that I was functioning. I was pretty much a zombie and comatose for the most part. I can remember taking my wheelchair and rolling down to town to buy groceries, but most of the time is a total blur to me. And my partner will vouch. Her kids thought I was half dead, and they thought I was a junkie when they met me. They had no idea what kind of medications I was on, but they were not very impressed with my my partner, with their mother. <laughs> this is not a keeper mom. <laughs> no, exactly. That's, a, that's what they thought, and my three daughters were afraid they were going to lose their father really quick, Aww. which my partner now also saw and helped me get through it. We have five kids together, and now we have five grandchildren. Well, in effect, you were a bit of a junkie, weren't you? You were a pharmaceutical junkie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. By every definition of the word, they had poisoned my whole body. I was dysfunctional totally, and yeah, that would be the classification of a junkie. How long? Did I have it, to agree. Yeah, how long did it take you to wean off those medications? Most of them. Years. I've been with Diane for just about nine years, and six of those were spent trying, working my way off of those pills. Since we've lived in this house has been the first time. 
What was that, Corey? Oh, I was just going to say some of those pills are really difficult to t- come off of you. You have to take it really, really slow. Yeah, yeah. When they have you on heavy dilaudids and stuff like that, it takes a while to get them out of your system and get your brains back to normal. That's for sure. Michael, you were saying that you first became aware of the uh, some of the medicinal effects of cannabis uh, about 20 years prior to when you got sick. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, my grandfather had gotten cancer. He had stomach cancer, which turned into a huge tumor in his stomach. And I, after some studying myself and my family, we found that cannabis was to help nausea from the chemo, all the bad effects of the, the medication they were giving to try and save him. And I started getting, I was importing hashish from the Middle East to make him hash brownies for the last year of his life just to give him comfort. And that's basically where that started. And then you indicated that you went on. Sorry, you indicated that you went on to uh, help other people. I'm just wondering why it kind of took you that amount of time to come around to helping yourself using cannabis. Um. I, I really didn't think it would help my spinal cord. It kind of took mm. me by shock with the spinal thing. Uh, I was at a party having a beer, and somebody said, hey, try this. And I had really kind of backed off. I retrained as a computer technician, trying to keep my head straight. And I tried it, and it actually worked for my spine and relieved some pain. I could actually stand up and not be aching so bad. And uh, that really showed me that I was wrong in assuming that it wasn't going to help me and would help them. And that there was potential there. Absolutely. And when I met Diane Marie, she kind of said, you should be using that for your back. You know, it'll help. And Health Canada has made it so that's one of the issues that you can get a license for. So that's when I went and got a license. Wow. Good for you. What has it done for your heart, if anything, Michael? Well, it helps keep me calm. I'm not sure if it's done anything for healing my heart. Uh, I still have the coronary stents in there, and my heart is one-third dead now because of all that stuff. And I don't I don't really think it does anything for my heart that I know of besides help keep me calm, which helps with stress, which affects my heart. Are you on blood pressure medication? Yes, I am. Has it done anything for your blood pressure at all, Michael? My blood pressure has been perfect since we moved out of Kelowna. Mm. So I would say if, if it's doing anything, it's doing something right. Yeah, maintaining. I can't say for sure if it's from the cannabis or from the medications that I take for my heart. But whatever I'm doing is working, and I don't have very many chest pains at all now unless something stressful happens. And then, of course, it does rear its nasty face and tell me, hey, Mikey, slow down. Mm -hmm. Your spinal stenosis, how is that? Horrible. (laughs) It's not much fun. (laughs) It's painful. It's, It's something that doesn't go away. I just live with it. I've lost a lot of weight since I met my partner. Losing about 45 pounds has helped a lot. I wear a back brace all the time, and I have a neck brace that I have to wear when it gets really bad. But I live with it. Would it be um, safe to say yeah. that cannabis makes it tolerable for you so that you can function? And Yes, definitely. Great. How long before... The cannabis is... Go ahead. 
I was just going to say cannabis has been the one thing that steadily helped me improve over the years. And it, I, it's my favorite medication because it does help. All those pharmaceuticals and man-made stuff did nothing but cause my body problems. And use, using cannabis doesn't seem to cause that type of issues. Michael, you live in the mountains of British Columbia, and to many people in Europe, it would be considered uh, a remote area. But because British Columbia is so large, we don't consider it a remote area. Do a lot of people in your area grow marijuana? Uh, yes, there's quite a few people out here. I, I think in BC we have a large number of growers. It, it's not something that I really ask people all the time. I've seen a lot of grows, and I know a lot of people that do grow their own cannabis. Uh, most are licensed, but with the new licensing laws, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. You know, it's one of those dumb questions I ask uh, occasionally because I was thinking as you were answering, uh, who the hell knows whether a lot of people grow marijuana unless you hang out with people who grow marijuana, right? <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have I have a designated grower who's a fantastic man that makes sure that I don't run out of our meds. And that's really, for me personally, that's my biggest concern is that I don't run out. Because if I do, I end up in bed after a couple of days. So you are a fellow that has heart disease, spinal stenosis, degenerative spine. You are on just a plethora of pharmaceutical medications. You've cut that down dramatically. You were in a wheelchair. You're no longer in a wheelchair. You've lost weight. Your health has improved. Did I leave anything out? No. There's a few diseases that aren't listed there, but that's okay. They've counted up to seven diagnosed diseases with me now. They include degenerative spinal disease, spinal stenosis, heart disease, diabetes, gout, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and... There's one other thing that I missed. So my count's off, too. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's probably it, enough. There's too many... Well, it's more than enough for me. I'm not in a contest to have the most darn diseases. I wish they'd all go away, personally. Yeah, I bet you do. I bet (laughs) you you do. Yep. But the bottom line of all this is that your taking of cannabis has eliminated so many pharmaceuticals that you're on and helps you function and get through the day in a relatively normal fashion. Fair enough? Yep, that's absolutely Mike, go ahead. Go, you go ahead. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'll go. Michael, um, you are president of Dads for Marijuana International. What is that? Yes. We're an organization that teaches people about cannabis and hemp. The lack of truthful knowledge out there has really hurt our society with the way the laws have been painted using fallacies as realities to make laws that do nothing but hurt people. Uh, A friend of mine started Dads, and I got involved and started building different chapters around the planet. And now we're up to, I think it's pretty close to 60 chapters around the globe. 
And we have individuals that are fathers that run these, and they talk to people in their communities and help teach them about cannabis and hemp and how they can use it to help themselves and the multiple uses of cannabis and hemp. Is there a website? It's become quite successful. Uh, it's half built right now. I haven't really had time to sit and build, and our server screwed up about a month ago. <laughs> so it's oh, dear. it's hard to get to, but it is there. So how can people find, how can people in the find process? Dadsformarijuana.org. And it's uh, it, right now I can get to it, but I have to change some of the coding because the server screwed up not long ago. So, when you open it, it's going to come to a page that says 404. You can't open it, but you have to type index.html and then it'll open and there's something messed up in the way the guys set up their server, which I'm working on. Okay, <laughs> but there are a lot of Facebook pages of Dads for Marijuana with the different uh where where they are right like dads for marijuana italy yeah yes. yeah italy denmark uh, south africa all over the world there and they're all all the chapters are in facebook if people want to contact any one of them just message through the page in the community that you want to speak to Michael, over the years, how have you uh, observed the public's attitude toward marijuana? And, and the change that uh, seems to be accelerating in the last couple of years. I think people are beginning to accept the fact that they've been lied to and they're starting to learn the truth about this plant. Uh, originally, when it became illegal, it was because of paper production in the United States, Randolph Hearst and they wanted to do things different and didn't want the cannabis to, or the hemp to be in their way, and that's how it became illegal. But I, I see people learning from what's going on and paying attention to the, the media coverage on cancer use and different ways to use cannabis to help. Um, it's becoming more and more well-known how people can use hemp for building materials, uh, hempcrete, etc., etc. And I think that's, that's fueling the change, which is now global. I know the United Nations is looking at cannabis and ways to make it so it's not considered this nasty, evil thing on a global basis. And I'm hoping they set legislation on that in the near future at some point. You mentioned hempcrete. I was watching a video a couple of weeks ago about a house that was built out of hemp. And one of the things that I didn't know uh, is that when you build a house out of hemp, there's no mold. You know how you can get mold in a house, Corey? And mm-hmm. it's just it's horrible for your health. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Brit- yeah. British, yeah. Columbia, British Columbia has thrived on the lumber industry. But when you look at hemp, it has so many more advantages in building than, than uh, lumber. Ab- oh, absolutely. It's so much more versatile. And like you say, if it gets wet, it's not going to rot and go to a mold or a fungi. The hempcrete, just the water rolls right through it, actually. It's, it's fascinating. And as we go on and more research is done, I'm sure we're going to find more ways. I saw in the news this morning that the United States has put forward that they're going to legalize hemp, which will probably start mass production again, I'm thinking. 
I'm not so sure on that. I didn't have time to follow through with the lead I was reading, but it's a promising future for our planet. If we can use hemp as a biofuel, use it to build and stuff, we could be eliminating the carbon footprint that we're creating. Michael, how is everything else with you in terms of, of your, your health? Are you pleased with what uh, cannabis has done in helping you progress? I'm just trying to get a feeling of, of your use of, of cannabis during the day and how it helps you during the day. Can you take us through that? It keeps me going. I wake up in the mornings. I'm usually in quite a bit of pain on a day like today when it's pouring rain and the barometer's high and my body's breathing. I'll get up, have a can of tea, smoke a joint, and then I'm able to start functioning, take my heart pills, have my coffee, and I'm able to work through the day. At around lunchtime, I'll probably medicate again, depending on my activities. Um, some days, I'll keep a joint going all day. Depends on how bad it is. But without cannabis, I would say I'd probably be dead, quite literally. Do you make your so own oil, that's, Michael? That's pretty good rating. Yes. yes, I do. Yeah, you make your own I make oil. my own alcohol, which yeah. is, you know, I make the alcohol and I extract the, the resins from the cannabis myself and then cook the alcohol off of it. Was that an easy process for you? Yeah. No, I learned how to do it many, many years ago, and guys used to smoke this stuff. I had a friend that made it when I was a kid, and he showed me how to do it then. And so about 10 years ago, I started making my own, and seems fine. <laughs> it's uh, easier than going and buying it from somebody. Michael, what would you like to say in conclusion to people who may be listening who are somewhat apprehensive? about taking cannabis or just want to make their own oil and just want to medicate with the cannabis plant as opposed to pharmaceuticals? I recommend they do their research and try it. Um, there's all kinds of people. I can be contacted if you have questions. Uh, any one of our chapter leaders and dads is more than willing to help explain and work with somebody to learn about this. The biggest thing I would say to people that are new to this is don't be afraid. Um, the laws are going to change. We're not all going to go to jail. That's ridiculous. The laws are wrong at present. And, and remember that when you're looking at this and making your decisions for your body. Sometimes the laws are written that are wrong. They're made out of mistake. And it takes time to fix them. This is one of those cases. But where your health is concerned, be open to looking at everything that can possibly help you. It could be your lifesaver. And that's my recommendation. Very good. <laughs> Michael, it was good to talk to you. Good that uh, you're helping yourself with cannabis and you're off those bloody pharmaceutical drugs, most of them anyway. I mean, you were just taking a handful of them at a time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't be. Yeah, it's a much nicer feeling. You can't be missing those, I'm sure. No, not in the least bit. They were, uh, it was too much. I don't know why I even believed the doctors and let them get me to that point. It was all in the idea of I was going to get better, and it just made things so much worse mm. that, well, my trust for some medical doctors has been depleted due to it, but I'm much more aware of my health and the world around me because of it. 
good. Michael, good to talk to you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, Have Michael, so day, much. Eh? And that's it. Another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. If you like the podcast and would like to say thanks, there are a few ways you can do that. You can give us a five-star rating on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can also go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Go to our donate page and make a donation to help us out. That's CannabisHealthRadio.com. Go to the donate page Make a small donation. You can do either a one-time donation or a monthly donation. Just uh, help us out at Cannabis Health Radio. And thanks for listening, and thank you very much for your support. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on Podcon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.